Oh, you already know what we gonna do. <laughs> hey. Well, if you guessing it's me, you guess correctly. I just stay with a stallion. You swear I wasn't a Christian. I'm, I'm ahead of with that pipe. Call that Nancy Kerrigan. Stay on the greenest greens. Call us vegetarians. Even on that minor league. But we smoke professionally. I do my job exceptionally. On point like a decimalist. All right. And we're back once again, folks, live from Greenwood. Bonjour. Shalom. What's up? Welcome to episode 22. How you living? We're doing it again. Double digits. You're right. Double digits. Shout out to uh, Emmett Smith. 22. Who else is 22? I don't know. That's a pretty good one I know. Yeah, Emmett Smith. I don't really know any other 22s rocking. So uh, live in effect once again here in Greenwood in the rooftop million dollar studios where we should be pouring out the Chris style. Pouring out the crystal. Keeping the homies in the lobby because <laughs> they just got home from the party. So, you know, that's where we're at, though. And it's uh, 2017. We're still living under 45. Uh, but I must ask, Chaz. What's up, Michael? How you living, man? You know what? This week has been weird. God dang, right? All right. It has been weird. There's a lot. I mean, uh, I... I'm definitely in a solemn mood due to the events in Portland. So same here. We have the uh, the attack that happened on a Max train, and if anyone's familiar with Portland, they know about the Max, the Metro Area Express, and uh, it's it's really sad that there was an attack where there was two fatalities and a third person that was injured and one uh, assailant who was later captured. And uh, it's it's one of those weeks where I had to take that in digitally in a lot of ways. I wasn't present in Portland, but I have so much history with the place and a mm-hmm. feeling about the environments that where this all occurred that it was as if I was there. And and only the the only limitation I feel personally about the event is my distance that I wish to some degree I was I was present and able to help more physically out with the people that I care about. And that might have been affected. Maybe there was people I know on that train. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the likelihood is kind of high. Um, I've been on a lot of trains that have had a lot of difficulties with, you know, um, weather and and things going wrong where they hit i've had them hit strike vehicles and then had to just stop and get off in like in a weird way so um yeah so that's that that's a preface um to what we might talk about and and definitely i'm just giving you the solemn mood that i've been in this week but like for you what else what else struck you this week uh well we found out today that trump said he's officially pulling out of the uh paris accords which like, I shouldn't say it was something I was surprised by. He talked right. about it. It's definitely when he's all about the coal miners' jobs and everything. So when we knew it was something that it's just that they control everything. So their narrative is winning. And yeah, less I. And 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 then the Paris Accord did lead to uh, Elon Musk removing himself from uh, an economic committee. That had an advisory role with Trump. Oh, yeah, of course. It, because his businesses, that's in like straight opposition to everything his businesses are doing. Right. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, it's an interesting time where we have um, power players on both sides making their opinion heard. And we're seeing it played out, you know, in a way that I don't think it's been played out in a long time. Or at least in these plane of matters where you have like literally the state of California Mm -hmm. declaring its assets and talking about its separation just economically. They don't have to secede as a state. That's fine. They can stay a state, but they're like, we have all this economic benefit. We pay the feds that we could just circumnavigate if we just invested in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that same type of talk is what's fueling Elon Musk's exit because he uses the California model as his base, you know, for most of his programs. Oh, yeah. So it's, I don't know, it's, 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 I know in a lot of ways that feels like, oh, that's West Coast versus other areas of the country when you start adding it up. But California is different than a lot of other states in the fact that it's diversity of industry, Mm -hmm. everything from agriculture to high-end tech and its landscape Mm -hmm. to the extent that you can't just argue that this is West Coast politics when you're talking about California because it's kind of the New York of the West. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore New York. And it's specifically because of New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the largest metropolitan area in the country. It has yeah. all this pull and this not and this knowledge around the world. There's people that know five words and they're born in Africa, and one of those words is New York. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like it's a word association that's out there. So they gain all this notoriety from that. California is the same way, with less people knowing. Mm-hmm. you actually talk to some people that still think California is like the wild west you know mm. because there's so many movies made and there's so much that's made about it even like 70s color movies mm-hmm. that show it as the west so there's people around the world that think California is like backyard old school just like you know uh what do you call the the things that roll in the wind. Oh, tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds just passing by. Yeah, and it's this metropolitan, you know, consistency mostly throughout, you know. Mm-hmm. It's got some rural areas in the north and the interior, but, you know, it's pretty populated. But anyway, whereas New York, you know, New York already has this kind of metropolitan appeal that people are kind of associating with it. And I don't know, coming from the West Coast, it's it, it was like that was our biggest dilemma, was always trying to create a, a reality of our appeal to the modern world, like to the societal East Coast. Mm-hmm. And now that the world is so integrated with the Internet and that's less of a focus and people can live anywhere, like I noticed the Northwest taking more of an independent identity mm. and being like, oh, well, the Northwest is about hydroelectric power and we're about, you know, sustainable things. And like that's kind mm-hmm. of this thing that's creating this ideology argument about what the West stands for. But mm-hmm. even those ideals don't speak for the whole state, you know. That's true. Yeah. Most states are purple. But uh, I guess, I guess, I mean, I don't have it, so I think I'll do a three, two, one countdown, and we'll do a live read of our theme to our next segment. So, callback sponsored by Crystal. Pour it out, folks. We're not even pouring into glasses. It's just going straight on the tile in a consistent flow. <laughs> we bought five bottles, but because we're nerds, we put them into this robotic thing, and it removes it from the chilled glass and then just pours it on the floor next to us. But we feel like that's <laughs> that's appealing to the world that we want to live, 
you know, but uh, it's okay. If we mortgage the million dollar studios, we get like a quarter million just cash. So I mean, we, we have we're working mortgage free right now. So <laughs> we can pour all the crystal out. Uh, callback style. Um, callback to last week. I would just say that you know the Trump administration is still uh, <laughs> making making their way through the world. They had he had the whole. Uh, Kavefe fefe. Oh yeah, kofefe. Like I don't what, even know how you're supposed to say. Like, what the kofefe? And like I can't believe how much traction that got. Like the internet uh. is such a <laughs> funny place, right? They they were just it, it's like every little thing, every, every little thing now. Uh. And, and like five of the comedians I know made a joke about it, and then I noticed most of the others didn't, and it was kind of like I think everyone was just like, I mean, we all have one, but like. Because I didn't even want to tweet. By the time I read seven different people talk about it on a feed, I was like, well, <laughs> I don't want to make a joke. Like, This seems overdone. It feels like the month after Avatar when I went to see the movie. I was like, maybe I saw a different movie than everyone saw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was just like, I mean, I was just not into it as much. I was like, what, it's all right. What keeps getting me is, like, basically now... We've been in the Trump presidency for just under six months. And that's where, like, after three months in, um, and every time Trump got on stage to do a speech, it was never really about the speech itself. It was always, y'all better recognize, because them motherfuckers over there, they ain't recognizing. So it's always like, before I do my speech, let me tell you all the good things I've done. Because in the Paris Accord one, he was like, yeah, we got the Supreme Court member. Yeah, we saved all these jobs. And I'm like, we know. We know that's what you keep saying, fam. You need some new hits. You need some new hits. Yeah. And well, and he's going to keep celebrating that. And, mm-hmm. the, and I mean, I've watched um, internet conversations on the web right now go from uh, basic just like conversations about what's going on to people um, posting on Twitter with their like you know they can't hide on twitter that's the thing about it. i mean they can hide because it's kind of semi-anonymous but like when they foolishly have their own photo as the avatar and their name and they're spewing this like mm-hmm. hatred they're tweeting at some of my friends that are more popular than others so they have like more traction in the media and and i'm so i'm watching these interactions and i'm just like wow like the visceral quality of the Trump supporter and the 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 variety, like the age, there are youth mm-hmm. that are so inspired by what he did and are like like, I mean I don't even know how to complain about them because they haven't even made like an opinion of who they are, mm-hmm. and yet they're like online declaratively on his side, and um. Yeah, they, he retweets some of these people and he likes some of these people and like they feel fueled by that and and then they they feel fueled to argue with these people that I know and like it, I, I I'm just bewildered by where people are going to sit down and read the facts or like sit down and and decide who represents them or if it's just going to be this rhetoric on the internet and then it's going to be I'm going to stab you in the neck if I see you in person because that's crazy. Mhm. Because if it's if it's not about finding what the common ground is and making the public like arena the area that we discuss it, and it becomes more about this violence on the on the abroad, like on the fringes, it, I don't know, man. 
<laughs> where are we going? Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a... And the internet is fueling it. Yeah, and the internet is, of all the the, the conservative uh, free... The ones that like to pompously always go on about free speech and stuff, it is... It is definitely, I think, going to take the question about uh, hate speech versus free speech. I know what free speech is supposed to mean, like, constitutionally. And I know the way we're talking about free speech in that manner is kind of a bastardization of that. But that's, like, sort of, like, just a highbrow, like, like Well, and but, it's it's been confiscated multiple times for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. You know. So that's not, like, an adequate description of how we use it colloquially. So right. and that's why I don't really base it off that, but... When people, but people use that as their um, justification to say, "No, I live in America. I'm allowed to say whatever the hell I want." And even if you think it's hate speech, you telling me no means no. And then people make that a, uh, and and so it's kind of like now where, where people think the theory is different than how it's supposed to be used in practice. And no and there's no correcting it because there's yeah. no facility that could correct it. Because mm-hmm. even police aren't there to educate people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there's nobody you can call 911, this person's an idiot. And then it's like, oh, by calling them an idiot, you're you're crossing a line. So you're like, well, 911, this person doesn't understand normal activities. And then it's like, well, that doesn't exist for us. And you're like, and you're breaking the law by calling 911. So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to Google it. And you're like, mm-hmm. hey, I know this person that's got this problem. And you're like, oh, my God, half the internet has that problem. So you're like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we're at. And then meanwhile, every election cycle, every media cycle every everything we're we're on this embattlement and this front line consistently and and then we only hear about the most catastrophic crossing of that line mm-hmm. even though it's happening microscopically every moment every day you know what i mean like we're we're interacting you and i we're brushing elbows with people that are just as likely to strike us over our opinions that we haven't actually expressed to them because they have no idea mm-hmm. as we are to meet people that would agree with us in high five. Mm-hmm. And because of that predicament and everyone's line on it, there's this heightened like scare tactic awareness, mm-hmm. this like spidey sense. Somebody's going to get me awareness. And, and what we're getting is this like overkill violence. And I don't know how to dissuade that other than from the top, like at least with Reagan, you always had Reagan trying to be like the country's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Like he was always trying to be like, listen, I understand that crack's a problem. But like, even though he didn't understand the drug problem and like approached it from the wrong angle, like him publicly was always trying to like cut it down. Like, hey, let's cut the violence. You know, Trump doesn't even he's like, I don't even know what this story is. You know, <laughs> like he doesn't even try to cut down the events he's 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 all on his agenda and because of that there's no one else that can 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 literally give a statement because if you go with senators they already have like an alignment so people are going to take that as like political it's and then you have your governors like who our governor is what governor inslee right Mm -hmm. Like, like how much do we really know as washingtonians about inslee not a lot, right? I guess. You know what I mean, and and yet he's the governor, and so uh, we're supposed to look to them for this leadership, and yet we have very little information about him. And then we're supposed to also compare ourselves to the information we have for Trump, you know. Mm-hmm. And and what, what do we really know? What do we really know about him? I mean, we know what the media has told us, and all these like background stories, and we've read into it. And we have this opinion, and we see him publicly, and we see the video. Mm-hmm. 
But when you really break it down, what do we fucking know about him? Nothing. Yeah, jack shit. Nothing. Just what he presents to the world. Right. Like, very little yeah. that we knew about Hillary. Very little that we knew about Bill. Very little that we... I mean, I feel like I almost knew the most about Obama. But even him later is guarded because even his actions were weird. Because, like, the whole drone campaign really, like, muddies up the water a bit. You know, as far as being a Democratic, non-confrontational person, even though he's one of the first, other than Bush, presidents to have that technology. So there's no real precedent to understand its use. Well, I would would present that there has been... Because, I mean, Clinton used bombing in Kosovo. Yeah, yeah. Which was the technology at the time. Exactly. And you can go further back on about even when the U.S. has supported various, like, regimes and stuff... Over oh, in other right. countries, oh, well, right? Yeah. Well, then the, they adding, yeah, the Philippines raids and and the and the quote unquote banana republic raids, mm-hmm. in the 1910s and 20s, yeah. And and I think would Obama, um, the reason why he used drones is because Bush had put in a mandate for soldiers to leave those areas by a certain time. So, and but in order to keep up the amount of insurgency they wanted in those areas and keep up with the recall of uh soldiers, they had to use drones instead, right? And I mean, to some degree, if if you were looking at it from the other side, that would feel like a little bit of a cop out that mm-hmm. he still used them more. So, like, to some degree, you'd have to go number for number and say, admittedly, Obama used the drones to a high degree, mm-hmm. to even a higher degree that maybe any other president will use. Who knows? Who knows the environments politically abroad when the other president comes in? He definitely had two wars mm-hmm. legally when he walked into office, let alone other skirmishes with Yemen and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so 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 that, that, that even in my mind when I'm bringing that up, I'm only bringing that up because that is heard on these Fox News things, and I can say that that's at, at least a page that should be discussed. But mm-hmm. as far as presidents go, um, that's kind of one of the more unquestioned phases. The rest of Obama's book really feels kind of filled in. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of get where his rise to power was, whereas, whereas Trump has a lot of missteps so did bush i mean with the the failed oil enterprises and whatnot and Mm -hmm. and and you know clinton to an extent with the whitewater whatever that was (coughs) that seemed to uh kind of derail his presidency a bit with their investments and all their money making prior to the presidency under his governorship started to kind of oh yeah you know and then that's kind of why like and then Gore, Gore later, I guess he had these investments in these certain mines and stuff in Tennessee. But like Gore was definitely like one of these guys that felt a little in economically cleaner mm-hmm. of a politician. So it's funny that we didn't elect him; we elected Bush, and then we elected Obama, who was like he ran as a community organizer, which is hilarious because that's like you might as well have him running as like the YMCA youth leader. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Like, uh, I volunteer as a lifeguard at Green Lake and I'm running for president. Uh, I save lives every day because I tell people to put on sunscreen. They're from Seattle. <laughs> um, but I guess he would, he would talk with a different cadence. He'd be like, uh, I told them to put on sunscreen. Uh, it's important cause they're from Seattle. <laughs> 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 uh, but no. And so, so it's funny that now we, we live in this era that's more p- permissible, uh, media, and yet I know less about the president. 
Like for sure, I know less about Trump. Just as what what makes him tick, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's definitely changed from when you've seen him in his earlier instances. Like he was a little, he was a little looser. He was a little bit more flexible. Like he was. He's made a state. I mean, and he's right. Like, uh, he's now the forty fifth president. Yeah, like, he's... no matter what happens from here on out. Mm-hmm. He he did that, and that validates for him, I mm-hmm. think, a lifetime of confusion for himself mm-hmm. as far as who he was. I think, I, I mean, why else would somebody in his position run for this job? There's so many other people at his level as billionaires mm-hmm. who do not seek this job out at all. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he did is is is, is a quandary um, from people that didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't know what to do with it. I really don't. Um, you know, we have so many more years left and, uh, I, the, yeah, I mean, I guess you circle, you circle the elections 2018, but I don't even know who I really want to win then. You know what I mean? As far as like, who, who do I want to take over the Democrats? Like, the I Democrats necess- are too fractured. I'm right so now weird too. about the old guard, and like, I can continuing to support the old guard, like the the Nancy Pelosi era Democrats. Like, I think she's an okay person, and I I like her personally, but I see why so many people on their side see her as a divisive character. Oh yeah, and 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 Hillary as well. And so, why are they the leaders of the party? What do we do? Yeah, I wonder. See, I'm wondering now. Does the millennial vote outspace the um what would you call it the old vote because that's what happened in Brexit, like the pure divide was old folks versus young folks, right? And the old folks eked out the young folks by like two percent. I think in the voting population, because the percentages are so high amongst older voters, um, and the fact that the baby boomers now are just hitting their mid to late sixties. Um, they still have the edge. Um, I think in the next five to ten years, we can see that even out, mm-hmm. but we won't see it be curtailed like dramatically. And then in the ten to twenty years after that is when you really see a tip in that uh, these new generations all. The biggest problem is that your and my generation is the slacker generation who literally percentage-wise our entire lives has not voted yeah yeah i mean like the 2000 election was 18 year olds we did not vote the 2008 election 18 year olds voted so the millennials mm-hmm. have actually came out more than even our generation and so it's kind of slightly our generation to blame it's the 20 to 40 year olds who don't vote 40 to 80 votes mm-hmm. and so we really have to look at ourselves and when you talk to us we're so divided there's so many people who are our age who are like i've never voted or they go my candidate never runs or the mm-hmm. people that i support don't run or it's a misogynist system or it's a guilty system or it's a racist system and mm-hmm. so so they hold these political ideals against voting in general mm-hmm and as long as people in those demographics don't vote, it basically saturates the vote for the Republican Party because the Republican Party is majority people who come out to vote. They've always had a higher percentage vote, especially midterm elections. So us conquering in 2018 is literally already an uphill battle just statistically as a party. or And just me aligning with the Democrats, which I don't even personally 
have my entire life or even like really saying i've definitely the last eight years Mm -hmm. but um you know i'm open i'm open to a new party if a new party has a legitimate platform that actually has some scope about what it would take to get elected Mm -hmm. um i've been a part of earlier campaigns and i watched the perot campaign as a youth which is kind of by far the high bar of the third party yeah, I think that uh, millennials, too, are, are a little bit more into issues, like individual issues. And I was wondering about the numbers because I feel like if you're going to get millennials to vote for any candidate, you need to start now. And uh, you, you need to, like, John Asasov, hopefully we'll get in. Rob Quist didn't get in, but eh, it, it's going to be hard to flip. Montana and the fact that they got 43% of the vote anyway was cool but the libertarian took 5% but I don't know from who so yeah but what I mean is that if there was enough of the young people who came together to vote for it doesn't even have to be a democratic candidate at that point it can be an independent candidate that will address the issues that they care about and fight for them that might be a different way of handling the situation than unfortunately you gotta look at it from the reality perspective of like a 16 17 year old who's who's now rolling into the 18 year old ballot or maybe you're an 18 year old who's rolling into the 19 year old ballot your focus on life has adjusted so much in the last four years of existence that the importance of this thing that your parents have been dealing with the whole time you've existed is so low on your priority that the only reason the Obama campaign somehow cracked that, and they really only cracked it in 08, because they didn't experience it again in 2012 as much so, was the fact that the Bush years created two wars, as far as people saw at that point, even though 2001 invasion of Iraq definitely is a response-based war, we make sense. My point being, so many youth are at the age where going to war makes a difference. And so they were 18 and they fought to not be in any more wars and the Democratic candidate was the best. And so they felt mobilized. In 2016, we had a problem where wars feel more distant in 2016 than they did just 10 years ago. And I don't know if it's the use of drones. I don't know if it's the lack of like statistical casualties coming back for Americans. If that, I mean, more than likely, as far as a country and media, that's probably in the most part. Mm-hmm. is we really only respond to dead American bodies. So as long as there's no dead American bodies, it kind of doesn't really make the news. And so something happened in 2016. The fear of war wasn't so high. And so 18-year-olds don't think they're going to go to war, don't care to vote. They're not worried of anything. What are they going to do? Either go to college or not go to college? Who cares? And so that lack of the 18-year-old helped Trump in so many ways. And I bet you, to some degree, the activated 18-year-olds in this particular election were more likely to be Republicans um, than the statistical kind of casual voter. Like, for me, I was a casual voter. Mm-hmm. Like, I enrolled to vote when I was 17 for my 18th birthday. Like, I filled out the application within the amount of months prior f- telling them that my birthday was whatever day. And I was able to vote in 2000, even though I was 17, because I turned 18 a month and 12 days later and because of that i fell into the category of 18 before the first 
is this weird thing. Okay. And so I voted in 2001. And so I was, I would, but I, that's not the norm. You know, the norm at the, maybe in 2008, it felt like that because they definitely were on every campus and everything. No way. I remember it. But uh, uh, in 2000, no, it wasn't like that. Like, you know, 2004 it was. Post Bush getting elected was an obvious indicator. So the Kerry campaign was mobilized. It just turned out that not enough happened in those four years for people to be dissuaded. Uh, he used the uh, don't change the horse in midstream. He actually used that, which is an old Bush one thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worked. Oh, and yeah. No, he had no support. People were all about not changing the horse in midstream in 04. And 08 was all about the opposite. It was jumping the horse. And so was 16 to a degree. They literally jumped horse. And that protest vote that we're talking about is kind of this thing. How do we persuade? No, no, no. I don't want a protest vote. Fuck that. No, no protest votes are a waste of vote. How do you persuade the protest voter to find a candidate that actually is electable? Because that's the key is the protest voter either doesn't vote or votes for some crazy fringe candidate. And to this degree, at this point, I'm filling into that role because I voted for Ralph Nader for two sessions, 2000, 2004. Mm-hmm. And I, I I actually was voting in 2000 in order to get a 4% of Oregon uh, because then he would be considered a national candidate the following election and get funding. Mm. Um, he got 3.45% and they don't round up. So it stayed at 3.45. If it was 3.5%, it would have rounded up to four. Mm. So that was the weird thing. They like whole numbers. So essentially he had a 3%. So he didn't get it. And so uh, Bush moved the funding up to 15%, which has only been matched by Perot. So we're probably never going to see that category of percentage-wise. First of all, it was a smaller um, voter group in the 90s. So being 14 to 16% was more likely. Now we have such a large votership because it's about $100 million. Uh, you're you're gonna have to be such a national presence in order to get fourteen to fifteen percent. So basically, Bush eliminated a third party candidate winning, or getting any funding. So from now on, every third party candidate has to be self funded, or internet funded, or super PAC funded, or whatever. So, um, and but at that time, the two thousand election, Nader was gonna qualify for that kind of Perot money. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking back on it, he's not really even my national candidate. I really like him as a, uh, a consumer ad- advocate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was 18 at the time, and I really liked his views about anti-corporate, like, loopholes and all these things. But looking back on it, yeah, he's probably not a leader who should be president. You know, maybe an mm-hmm. advisory role or continue his work as a consumer advocate. But at the time, like with the idea of a third party getting money, that seemed important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm not arguing with the, like a lot of these libertarians that I meet and stuff. I understand where they're coming from, the idea of creating this third party. But the problem is they're just like the Republicans in the fact that they don't yield. Mm-hmm. They've got their demands. And one of their demands as libertarians is like no more spending. And it's going to take some spending to yeah. fix this fucking country. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. It's going to take some spending. Like, still to this day, 2017 politics, reality. It's going to take some spending. And that's the part that Republicans just will not yield. You that's know? true. 
and then they get power and they spend it, but they spend it in the weirdest fucking ways. It's not like they don't spend money. If they just turned off the spending and like saved the country for four years at a time, people would revote Republicans over and over. No, the reality is they spend. They just spend on the wrong fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And we just have to clean it up every eight years with the Democrats, and we don't even get enough time to do anything our way before people like make that stupid argument again. Well, well I mean, the argument is... Uh... And on the Republican side, individualism versus not corporatism. Was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, not huh? corporatism. Yeah. But, so, I mean, I under, and having consumed what I think is enough cons- uh, conservative media, I know where they're coming from. And their ideology is fucked up because I think it's blaming the wrong thing. But, but yeah, what do you, th- you think? What do you think it's blaming that's the wrong thing? What do you think it's blaming? Um, it's uh, it, it's blaming poor people being uh, not lifting themselves out of their station because they're being handed too many entitlements, and the entitlements are public programs. So of course their whole thing is get rid of the public programs and people will be able to take care of themselves. Yeah, we know that's demonstrably false, but that's that's a, that is a core value of their ideology. Right, and then and then the. The fact that their history is so muddied by certain progress of certain individuals in the Republican Party that mm-hmm. they they akin to, even though the Republican Party has no resemblance to anybody, even Reagan that they reference, they don't even resemble. So it's just such a weird thing because, like, I'm somebody from the Olympic Peninsula. I support some of the things Teddy Roosevelt did mm-hmm. because he he's created a lot of this national park system, and I think that's great. He also was kind of racist and was weird about how he thought Panama was this second-class country, and that's why he took over the Canal Zone. And he also liked the idea that the French failed. So he was like, mm-hmm. let's show the French what to do. Like He was just kind of like one of these America First guys mm-hmm. in a way. But at the same time, he was creating national parks and shit. So it's like mm-hmm. I can understand him as a Republican. Uh, Lincoln freeing the slaves, being conflicted by it, had to make speeches where he was kind of walking the line of like slavery is okay, but in the way of saying like mm-hmm. God, we're not gonna in my presidency you won't see a change. But knowing that there was a change to come, he was trying to just get elected, and then he fucking enacted the change, and that created a lot of the dynamic. Republican, they can claim him, they get to claim him. Mm-hmm. You know, they try to claim Jefferson. I think uh, he was a Democrat or Republican by name i think officially he's the first democrat um even though he was small government um he -hmm. was big on education and education spending which is huge as far as what the democratic platform has gone from the future on we've never eliminated education from our platform uh which is something that the republicans um want to change at every impasse now it's creationism or whatever that's like the latest front line of like their version of education or or it's charter schools it depends on what front line yeah. you think there is or it's creating even in schools they are teaching climate change like it's a debate or debatable point yeah 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 when it's not so and if the degree from the profitable schools versus the degree from a state funded schools are equal to the same and one can run like a McDonald's and the other one is like oversaw by the parents and the school board and all these things, clearly the other one is going to run more efficiently and mm-hmm. cheaper. 
and their results are going to be less comparable to a national system because we don't really know the curriculum that's being delivered at all these charter schools. And so that's it's in in the states are going to say that they have curriculum advisory boards and all this thing, but I know that in the education system those places are swamped, and so they are stamp first agencies. Mm-hmm. They are whatever comes across their desk if it looks at all educational stamp done. Yes, your district gets that. There's no way they're reading every book from every different discipline of every different school. It's oh, impossible. They yeah. are not. And 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 in the it's the same way that our state representatives sometimes talk boldly about their understanding of the things they vote on. Mm. When I know it's the staff that's reading every inch of those lines of code and mm-hmm. giving them a bullet point to read. Now, some would say it's because their amount of time on the Hill or their time at your capital is limited and they only have so much time in order to vote. And so they have to be able to digest these things in a very small way. I also say, yeah, but they have an intern payer there who's reading every <laughs> word. So obviously the time is there. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's strange. And that's how things are voted. And it's the same way how curriculum is passed. And it's the same way how charter schools get through the screen of comparatives because they're f- asking for the same like level that they have it's 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 like whatever they're doing they're like well this is a standard look at what we're able to do i mean how much could you do for this amount of money Mm -hmm. and and the way that people in these counties look at it they're like god we couldn't do shit and they're like exactly let us be keep doing this and i mean people you you hear about on the news people get phds Mm -hmm. from websites oh yeah like that's how crazy our education system has gotten that literally people pay for PhDs and are getting jobs, and it's not until they fuck up royally that we hear about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So how many people right now are in positions of power with fake-ass education backgrounds? And we want to make elementary school pay for play? Like, mm-hmm. we're eliminating an entire class of education from the in, the world, and it... You're gonna get. You're still gonna get your rich people getting through mm-hmm. and being educated, but your poor people are gonna get these charter school document whatever. Pass your shit. Mm-hmm. Go on to the charter college, because that's what they'll do. They'll just pass you on to whatever is the lowest brow college that's got no standards, mm-hmm. and be like, "We'll just go through here." And so people are just gonna naively think they're making it, and then they're gonna mm-hmm. get out and know nothing. And we're going to have an entire generation or more. Which is stupid because that's just going to cost them more money. And Jefferson created our public education system. Jefferson's the one that funded that branch. We didn't create the education department or whatever, but he funded schools. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so that's all I'm saying is like, so by democratic and republican values, we all have these differences. We have these this this history to reflect on. But we have this also shared future. Mm. And I think that's more what needs to be the discussion. It shouldn't be about where we've been and where we're standing. It should be about the block we're going to stand on. I think mm-hmm. I think progression as far as leadership should always be about forward. I think as the minions who are living in our world, we need to think about now because that's what's in front of us. But I think if you've elevated yourself to a leadership position, it should be about tomorrow. And the tomorrow's tomorrow. 
I think that's the whole point of being a leader is, is, is the captain with the eyeglass. He sees the shore before everyone else. Mm-hmm. Or he's got his one guy in the crow's nest mm. who yells land ho. Why does he yell land ho? So the captain can get up and look at it and decide if they're going to sail to it. Mm. So, so the decision maker always needs to see the future mm-hmm. they don't need to be the one who's like hey look at the water right below us it's 10 feet hey by the way we're gonna hit the rock i don't care this water right here is really deep you know and then they crash into the rock no he has to already know where the rocks are mm-hmm. that's why he's the leader and and we've so naively given the leadership role to the biggest knucklehead we can mm-hmm. consistently it's not just trump we consistently do it as managerial roles. People who, who, who are loudest often get employed faster mm-hmm. uh, or through the ranks. Um, uh, you know, we do it We do it in our police ranks. We do it in now in our education ranks, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and so we have this problem where we allow um, these forceful, uneducated, and dominant people into these advisory and leadership roles. With short-sightedness and 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 very emotional-based decision-making, you know, as a society, and and I think Trump reflects that, but he's not the first. No, know? no, he's not the first at all. And he will definitely not be the last. And he might not even be the most effective at creating disruption. As as disruptive as he's been in the last hundred days, mm-hmm. there may be people more disruptive than him that we're not even paying attention to. That That's are true. just as naive, but are in places of leadership and position where people are allowing it to happen. And we're not necessarily allowing Trump to happen. What we're allowing to happen is the presidential process. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Whereas in some of these other leadership roles, it's not a national impeachment process to remove these people from mm-hmm. power. It might be one firing it might be one committee meeting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to remove a governor literally can take two or three state meetings where they just find that person to be incompetent and they're done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the impeachment process. That's only the president where it's like a year long thing and you got fucking whatever his name was, Star, being the head like interrogator of Clinton and. And he, like, mm. made his name and got to write a fucking book about it mm-hmm. afterwards. And, like, that's impeachment. Yeah, that's a whole crazy different thing. Removing people from power is a lot easier. And it's being done consistently through the ranks. And mm-hmm. we're fucking allowing it. Yeah. And that's what allows something like this Trump thing to happen. That's why he was so emboldened to do it. Mm-hmm. I guarantee he was getting patted on the back by a bunch of other assholes who were leading other things. And they're like, dude, I'm a total dickwad and nobody likes me either mm-hmm. and I fucking run this thing. And Trump's like, hmm, I like what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And fucking, and it, if you go back and watch his speeches, fuck it if he doesn't stay on goddamn message. Oh, that yeah. son of a fucking bitch had like eight points and he just nailed them every fucking time. And and Hillary was all about the map. She was all about that day's fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So when you watch her, you can watch 200 different things. You're going to get 200 points of view. And that's definitely a more natural person who's mm-hmm. digesting what's happening. But when you look at it as a national candidate, you go, fuck if this guy didn't just say the same eight things. God Fuck you. He knew, like, he knew he wanted, who he wanted to vote for him. So He just said it. Yeah. And I mean, there's something 
quintessentially amazing about that not like in a good way but about like it helps us as people understand how people are actually voting Mm -hmm. they're literally not thinking about it there's an emotion that people were feeling when he talked Mm -hmm. and you either felt appalled or you felt enthralled and Mm -hmm. those people that felt enthralled were activated Mm. Every fucking time he talked. And we won't be able to harness that in 2008 or 18 or 2020. What we're going to have to harness is our own thoughtful people, but aligning a message with these very progressive-minded people, the Bernie supporters, the fringe candidate, the Jill Stein supporters. Those have to come into the Democratic camp for this next election. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can talk about parting ways once they've gained power. But until then, the Republican Party is going to run on emotion. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it going any less than they already got. So we can only win by getting more. Period. Mm-hmm. More electorally and more in the in the popular. Like by, probably by 10 million in the popular and mm-hmm. definitely another three states. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be very close again. And, uh, and, and there's something we have to take away about that, about the evolution of a man and a woman kind, whatever you want to say, how we've gotten to this point where literally the people that are voting for him are being fucked over by him right now, by their jobs, by their support. Do they, are they aware of those? And they're they're either not or they they look past it and they vote because their heart says he's gonna make it right. It's mm. this weird and I don't know how to reason with that person. Because in poli sci what you're taught is that voting for your incentive is the most likely choice. Mm-hmm. But so many p- people voted against their own incentive to vote for him, just if you just look at it line item by line item. So Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess that's where we're at. I mean, that's the state of America, right? Right, yeah. State of America. Did you you have any uh, grow your brain style things? Um, uh, Or any any topic you wanted to uh, herald the people to? Um, I guess I can do a a grow your brain thing really quick. Um... uh, I found this new guy from uh, Rami Sethi named uh, Gary Vandercook. Um, and he's sort of like a, a motivational uh, speaker in a sense, but also just he like talks to people on a show called the Ask Gary V Show. And he, really, he basically just like if you're a creative type, if you're doing any sort of endeavor and you just want a little bit of help, a little bit of exposure from other people who do that sort of thing and have been successful in their field. Uh, he's one of those guys that's just good to listen to because he gets a lot of good people and he says lots of good things. Nice. Uh, and that's for free at where? Um, he's he's on YouTube. Just uh, I guess just type in Gary V or hashtag Ask Gary V Show. There you um, go. Yeah, right. I I've just started watching it like over the past week and I'm just like I'm like yeah, this is good stuff. All right. Um, I guess so. We'll do a simple one. We're heading into the uh, the season of summer. Uh, what's been your favorite Fourth of July celebration? 
Oh, jeez. Have you ever had any? What was it like? Have you seen a big? Was there a big show that was really good that you watched, or did you ever do like a home firework thing? Was there ever a barbecue? What What was your biggest like Fourth of July? Specifically firework. I kind of want to like hear like a firework related story, but do you have any? Are you Are you waiting for your favorite Fourth of July to happen? No, no, no. I have a favorite Fourth of July. My favorite Fourth of July happened in uh, Vancouver, BC. Okay. And it was a house party that happened near or on Dravis Street that's up there. And Dravis Street, if you go all the way down to the end of it, um, then there's this big lake. And on that lake is where they have fireworks and stuff. And so, you know, we talked a little bit and we were already drunk. And it was just like the spectacular light show of like, oh, yeah, 4th of July. But it wasn't actually 4th of July. It was Canada Day because it was in Canada. Uh-huh. <laughs> but in, in since it was around the same time, that's so un-American of me. I'm sorry. No, that's that's actually all right. It's like it's more it's more open, though. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, mine mine is so obviously in Portland, they do the Blues Fest. So mm-hmm. if you ever go to Portland for the 4th of July, it's great. Stay for the weekend. Go down to Waterfront for Blues Fest. On 4th of July, they'll do fireworks. Um, that being said, my best was off the Olympic Peninsula. Me and a girlfriend decided to go backpacking. And I looked it up online. I was like, I'd been there like when I was a kid, but I'd been a long time. But I was like, hey, we're going to go on this actual like adult backpacking trip. So I knew that walking along the water was going to take a lot longer than just hiking through the woods Mm -hmm. because the sand, it sinks in. You just you can't make as much miles. And uh, I was dating this very bold hiker and she was like, there's no way you move at that rate. Cause I think it was estimating like a half a mile per hour mm. on both the internet and in the hiking guidebooks. Oh, okay. And she was just like, that's ridiculous. That's like people who have way more weight than we're carrying. So we're only going for these two or three nights. So no, 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 that's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of saying, so we get out there and we end up not getting anywhere near our final destination that we had kind of circled on the map. Mm-hmm. I definitely had already kind of in my mind selected a few kind of, if we make it this far, maybe this is where we have to go. Cause with the beach hiking, mm-hmm. you have all this, like you either have to get to high ground or you have to get to a beach that's wide enough that it can handle tides. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you'll just get fucked. And so, like, I recognized right away that it was going to take longer. Even though it was very bright and it was early in the day and we're hiking, I'm just kind of like, oh, we're not making enough time. So we basically got my last ditch spot. Mm. And it was kind of this uh, area that was like, it's wide enough, but at the same time, it's not wide enough that you really feel comfortable Mm. it's just wide enough and the distance between you and logs is good but i'm like if it was a swell or you know rogue wave type thing Mm -hmm. who knows and so it was really a dangerous spot to stay but like at that point she was really upset and i kind of explained to her that we could stay there but i gave her all the 411s Mm -hmm. and one of them was we're gonna have to stay awake till high tide because high tide happened around 130 and so I'm like, if we stay up till 1.30, we'll know the height of the water line. Because if we have to hike out, we had to hike back another half mile. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could get up into the high ground. But 
when that started happening, it's like, you don't know where you're going to find a place to put your tent. Like that's already like, that's mm-hmm. like a four hour detour at that point. So I'm like, hopefully the high tide's not a problem. And she was kind of frustrated, but at the same time, she kind of created this mess because she thought we were going to make way better time than we could. So mm-hmm. we agreed to disagree and we were going to stay. So we were, it's about midnight. Uh, we're just staring out at the water and I start seeing these lights on the horizon and I'm like, are those boats? And she's like, I don't know. And then a few of them light all of their mast lights like running along like rope lines and everything. So they're illuminating the whole sides and bow of the ship. Mm-hmm. Like three or four of them were fully illuminated and everything else had lights. And there was probably 20 of these boats. Holy shit. And I'm like, wow. And they're 15 miles off the coast. And it's just us in the middle of nowhere, dark as night, campfire mm-hmm. that's going out, and these boats 15 miles in the distance that you can just see because they lit themselves the fuck up. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. And then the fireworks started. Mm. And it went on for an hour. Good Lord. Every boat trying to compete, things are going off simultaneously. It's just going off. I can see now because they're illuminating the sky, I can see the cloud of smoke that's just kind of billowing up from all this event. It went on for almost an hour. And and then slowly but surely, boo, 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 they kind of die out. And then just as they came, the lights, they all mm-hmm. go out one at a time, and the boat sailed away. Ooh. And her and I were like, did we just see a fucking rich person pirate <laughs> firework display? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, because they clearly were where illegal fireworks are now legal. Mm. and so it's a bunch of rich people that are like where should we meet and they're like well here's the international waters (laughs) so they all meet and they just yachted it up oh my god we just happened to be there that is crazy (laughs) and uh and then we would go to bed and then i i well no i told her i was like i had to stay awake for another hour because i had to watch high tide it by the way got within 15 feet Mm. so it was really sketch but i stayed up till 130 which was half past tide and it started going away Mm. So once it was receding and there was no large logs, I was like, good, but sketchiest spot I've ever camped. Greatest 4th of July I've ever seen. Oh, nice. so, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, mm-hmm. if we were up in the woods in the high spot, we wouldn't have seen any of that. It just would have mm. been thick forest and, you know, ramen for dinner, but mm. uh, because we were on the beach. So, you know, yeah, take some risks once in a while. Makes sense. Uh, I think that does it, man. I think we made a full hour, dude. Yeah. Uh, how you living, Supreme? Uh, you can catch me as always. Your seaside mayor. Like I said, I just told you a seaside story. I'm here. I'm Seatown Mayor. Uh, at Twitter, get at me. <laughs> or avoid me. Either way, block me. Yeah. D- be passive aggressive and don't even follow me and just block me. I won't even know, but that's hilarious. So do that or follow me. And also follow, but don't block. <laughs> Chaz. At C-R-S-I-I on the Twitters. And at Chaz underscore Baz uh, on the Instagrams. Yeah. Get at get at us. Uh, otherwise, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll be back on the airwaves in a week to soon. Some sometime soon. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. And uh as always, um keep your head up. Peace out world. Peace. <laughs>
in the floor when I open the door for her. She acting like a whore and I'm a letter. Learn from Project Pata. Pippin got a master's. Girl, improvise. Look me in my eyes and lie to me.